Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Good morning and welcome to Waypoint Church Online and actually live streaming for the first time uh, this year and hopefully not the last time this year. Uh, um, but we're here. Uh, hi for those who are in the congregation already as well and it's great to have you here. Uh, those who, who are joining us via YouTube and um, on our podcast and in however you're connecting with us, we are so glad um, that you're with us uh, this morning. Uh, we uh, as a church uh, have been meeting for so many years uh, and every Sunday we gather together. And it's not just because it's in a, in a habit that we do, it's to build a worship God together. And that's what we want to do uh, this morning, is to worship together with uh, live music. Uh, we have people in the congregation who will be singing and I encourage you to be worshiping at home as well. And we're hoping that this was going to be the beginning of a lot of live streaming, but obviously uh, the news last night changes everything. And uh, we will definitely be online next week in a format of something. We're, we're still going to need to work that out. But what we are really about is more than just gathering on a Sunday. We are a community of people who worship together, who love one another. And I want to encourage you, um, besides engaging with worship and with our guest speaker and the words from scripture that we're going to be hearing uh, this morning, is to, in the week, is to connect with one another, call people up, because lockdown is going to mean uh, just that isolation as we're not allowed to see people as we normally have been able to. And I want to encourage you to reach out if you're part of a small group to be part of that. Uh, phone friends, make that connection. You're not alone. We're in this together. And that's how God created us, to be a family together. And it's great to be able to come together to celebrate. Yes, um, even though church is going to be closed, the building physically for meeting on a Sunday, we still have events that happen throughout the week. The Help Hub, which was set at the beginning of lockdown in March, is going to be open. And we're excited to announce that this week we reached a milestone of 1,000th. So 1,000th uh, food bank, uh, food parcel, sorry, was blessed to a family in our community. Isn't it amazing what God is doing in the church and through the church. We've also got something exciting that started yesterday, 24-7 uh, prayer, and Fran is here to tell us more about it. Yeah, so good morning. Yeah, 24-7 prayer um, launched yesterday morning at 10 a.m. Um, so many people booked in once it opened and met with God in an intentional way and just rested in his presence and have really heard from God in really clear and personal ways, which is fantastic. Even better news is that one of the reasons why church can stay open is for personal prayer. Literally does what it says on the tin over on the caravan there. You can meet, still go for personal prayer. So I really encourage you to go and book in, book a slot, rest in God's presence. Because actually, if there was ever a time that our nation and our community and as individuals, we need prayer, it is right now. So come rest in God's presence and just refresh so you can go and be the voice of hope in our community in this time. Thank you. Uh, just a massive thank you to Fran for organizing the, the 24-7 prayer. And, and she's absolutely right. Is at such a time as this, is it's good to gather uh, um, and to pray. I know we can we have to do it individually, but let's book a place and let's pray. And let's hold this, this our community and our world in prayer. I'm going to pray for this time now that we gather together as we worship. So let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, I want to thank you that, that you're a God who doesn't go into lockdown. 
You're a God who reaches out to connect. I thank you that you connect with us, whether we're physically gathering in a bigger group or even just by ourselves, that you are still with us. But Father, as we lift our voices to you this morning, as we open our our hearts and our ears to, to, to what you are saying, I pray that there may be something deeper that happens, that we may encounter the living God. For that is our desire, not just to put on a show or sing some songs, but to encounter the living God. So come and be present, I pray, as we worship you, our loving King. Amen. Um, we have a, a guest speaker this week of Emma Worrell from Open Doors. And uh, we've been a friends of, of Emma for, uh, Kathy, my wife and I have been friends of Emma for a, a few years. Um, but as a church, we've been friends with Open Doors for a lot longer. And uh, Open Doors is an organization that helps uh, the persecuted church. It serves it by support, by resources and training. And it's, a, it's an incredible organization that does an incredible task. Uh, we're going to hear a little video in a, in a moment and then we're going to have Emma to come and speak. But before then, we're going to read God's Word. Fran's going to come and read God's Word to us. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, and we're going to be reading at verse 7 to verse 18. Okay, so it's 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body." So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thank you, Fran. God's word speaks to us today, doesn't it? And uh, we, we, I was speaking to Emma back in the summer when we booked her to come and speak today. We didn't know what was going to happen. And, uh, but we do know that God's timing is perfect and God sees it all and he invites us to join his story. And uh, we, we are, it's a real massive privilege to have Emma come and speak with us uh, today. So let me watch the video a little bit of what's happening, a bit of a review of what's happened through Open Doors this past year, and then Emma will, will speak and bring us God's word. So let's watch. Well, good.
good morning. It's fantastic to be with you all, those watching on screen from home, wherever you are, and those here in the building today. just want to say thank you to those of you who pray for the persecuted church with open doors. We absolutely appreciate you guys. And two words for me sum up what this year has been like for persecuted Christians. Hardship and hope. Hardship because there's unbelievable suffering going on in the world right now, especially for followers of Jesus. Christians risking their lives in places like North Korea. Christians facing starvation in countries like India, where they're the last in line for government help and aid. But there's always hope because Jesus is at work in the midst of the darkness and difficulty. And actually for me, one of the most amazing things or a real gift about the persecuted church is this, that actually they're one of the most hope-filled groups of people on the face of the planet because they know that Jesus is with them in the darkest of times. And I don't know about you, but those words, hardship and hope, are probably two words that we can resonate with right now. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? Crazy times that we live in. And yet for me, as I look back over this year and the experience that persecuted Christians are going through, living with persecution, poverty, and a third P, a global pandemic, I actually see that in many ways, it's been an opportunity for us to connect to a greater degree than ever before with our family around the world who are persecuted for following Jesus. We too now know what it's like to meet as scattered Christians. We have faced a measure of isolation and restriction. But what I want to say from the outset is what we have gone through is temporary. Let's not forget that. It's going to be temporary, guys. I know we've got a second lockdown coming, but it's temporary. And yet we have millions of brothers and sisters around the world for whom it is nothing new and certainly not temporary. It's in the context of isolation, restriction, and even worse, that they do life. It's in that context that they dare to follow Jesus. So Mark, Kathy, Waypoint Church, thank you for inviting me to come today to speak and just share with you some amazing stories, but also some amazing truth from Scripture, because the stories of of persecuted Christians today resonate so well with what we find in the New Testament, in the church, early church stories and testimonies as well. And I've got to say, for me, it's been an absolute privilege, or is a real privilege, to speak up on behalf of Christians around the world daring to follow Jesus. Like their stories, their testimonies encourage courage, courage in me. So that is going to be my takeaway for you today, is that let these stories, let these testimonies encourage courage in you to help you navigate following Jesus in hard, challenging times. When Sop decided to follow Jesus, his community were outraged. They declared him a traitor. They beat him up badly. But for Sop and his wife, Dara, this was just the beginning of persecution. Sop lives in a village tucked in between jagged mountains and paddy fields in the northernmost part of Laos, very close to the Chinese border. Growing up, Sop only knew about Buddhism. He knew nothing about Jesus. But a few years ago, he stumbled upon an old man in his village who was actually listening to a Thai Christian radio broadcast, and it piqued Sop's curiosity. So he started to listen. And then from then on, for the next few weeks, he would go after dinner and sit with the old man and listen to the radio and find out more and more about Jesus. When the village chief discovered Sop's new faith, he was livid and he issued an ultimatum. If you don't stop worshipping your God, go to jail or leave the village. Sop refused. 
This decision was costly. It was a choice that affected not just him, but his wife and his children. First of all, their pigs were poisoned. Then their rice farm was set ablaze, completely destroyed. His children were discriminated against in school by their school teachers. And finally, they were kicked out of their village, their home, all that they had known. Sop's story of suffering, persecution is one of 260 million around the world today. That's one in eight Christians globally who are persecuted, who share in Christ's suffering, who dare to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And a question that is so timely, I mean, to be honest, we couldn't have well, we, we couldn't have planned this. So when we spoke about this in, you know, a few weeks ago, this whole idea of hope in the midst of hardship, this question I'd like to ask you today, and I'm asking myself as well, how is it possible that a persecuted Christian like Sop can keep going, blow after blow, hit after hit? And how is it possible for, for Paul in this passage, this great passage of scripture that was read to us, how is it possible, possible for Paul to endure such hardship and suffering and make any sense of it all? And let's be honest, these are probably thoughts, feelings that we've had, not just this weekend, but for months and months. And maybe for some of you, it's not just COVID, it's not just lockdown where you've been in the midst of the the fire, the midst of the storm. Like life has brought you hardship. There are afflictions, there are troubles, there are trials. Forget 2020, you have kind of been flawed time and time again. Well, this morning I have three reasons for hope to share with you. Three reasons for hope that are lived out by SOP. Three reasons for hope that the Apostle Paul shares with us in this great passage of Scripture. And it means that despite circumstances, you can keep going, you can dig deep, your faith can remain intact. And in actual fact, you can go deeper, higher, wider in your walk with Jesus and really grow and be shaped. Suffering is, of course, a major theme in this book of the Bible in 2 Corinthians. It is, of course, a major theme, let's not forget, in the whole of the New Testament. you know, it's worth bearing in mind the New Testament was written by persecuted Christians writing to fellow persecuted Christians. That is the context of their time. So, should we dive in? Should we get going? Right. Here's the first reason for hope for us today. It might not sound too hopeful, but you've got to hear me out. We get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out. We get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out. If you look at the passage, hopefully you've still got your Bibles open or if you've got, got it on screen, have it on. If you look at the passage that we're in, 2 Corinthians 4, if you particularly look at verses 8 and 9 with me for a moment, I love these verses and I just want to encourage you guys, learn them, memorize them. Particularly for the next month, you might need these verses. These might be your go-to scriptures for the next four weeks or so. But those verses here, they kind of conjure up this image of a boxing match, of a boxing ring. It's like punch after punch is being you know, pummeled against Paul. He's like on the, on the ropes, he's on the floor. It's, it's tough. He's taken an absolute beating, but crucially, he's knocked down, but he's not knocked out. You know, life on earth, let's be honest, it is really hard sometimes. We can't sugarcoat it. Do you know, Jesus didn't. John 16, verse 33, it's been a bit of my go-to scripture for the whole of this year, says this, Jesus said in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He didn't sugarcoat it and neither does Paul. You know, Paul, he spent a lifetime, decades of suffering for Jesus. Like it must have taken its toll on him emotionally, mentally, physically, 
it was overwhelming at times. But you know, you read this passage and you see that he doesn't airbrush, he doesn't glaze over it, he doesn't downplay his suffering. And for you this morning, that's good news because he doesn't downplay yours either that you might be going through. Look at the language, he makes it really plain. Let's look at the words for a moment together. They're feeling words. His experience is cut really deep. You get the sense of the depth of the rawness and the anguish. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Maybe a lot of us can really resonate with those words right now. The Apostle Paul, believers like SOP, contemporary persecuted Christians around the world, they're so well placed to help us navigate life in challenging times. You know, their testimony, their lessons, their faith lessons can help us to not lose heart, to not give up, to develop perseverance, to stay the course, to just develop that resilience, that capacity to keep going, whatever comes our way. And it is possible, and maybe it might be hard for some of you to think that or see that right now, but it's possible to see this year, 2020, this season of hardship, trials, afflictions, storms that come your way through a different lens, through a different view. And we're going to come back to that point a little bit later on, but hold it in mind. You know, there must have been times when Paul just felt like he couldn't go on, couldn't go on. And maybe you feel the same. Maybe circumstances are just so hard. You're in the heat of the fire. You're in the midst of the storm. You're at the end of your rope and you're like, God, where are you? God, where are you? How long is this going to go on, God? Why me? You know, I love the fact that the Bible just deals with all of our raw emotions. So much of it are laments, cries, just like the the reality of how rubbish sometimes life really is this side of eternity. The message from Paul, the message from Sop, whose story we're going to hear a little bit more of in a moment, their testimony, their story is this, hold on. Hold on to this truth that as Christians, we never suffer alone. As Christians, we never suffer alone. We sort of sung some great words earlier. And that's why we need worship, those, those times to kind of reset, recalibrate, rather than looking down to look up and to look forward. Hold on to the fact that as Christians, we never suffer alone. If you just look a bit earlier in verse 6, it says, it says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ the light of Jesus, Paul says, has been lit in us if we're a follower of Jesus. You know, in verse 7 talks about jars of clay. You know, we're fragile, we're broken, we're ordinary. And yet, if you're a Christian today, Jesus dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is alive and working in you. He has made his home in your heart, your fragile jar of clay. We get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out. We're flawed time and time again. We're pushed to our limits, not knowing what we can endure. But actually, there's this amazing truth, this mystery that Jesus is with us in the fire, in the storm. This amazing supernatural ability, capacity to keep going, to endure. You know, I love those but nots. What, what two crucial words that just go through those two verses there. Look at the repetition of the but nots, but not crushed, but not abandoned, but not in despair, but not destroyed. Like Paul, hold on to the but nots in this season, in this time. For Sop, there in Laos, one of the most dangerous places on earth to be a Christian, knowing that he isn't alone or forgotten or abandoned is a reason for hope. 
a massive reason for hope. And it's a reason for hope for Christians everywhere, in North Korea, in China, in India. For them to know that they are not forgotten is a powerful, powerful thing. Sop said this, there are times when I feel like it's me against the world and that the Lord has not provided me people, but God sends people. He's used your ministry, open doors. Knocked down, but not knocked out. Sop attended training with other persecuted Christians. It was an opportunity to share together, to encourage courage in one another. He also received training from Open Doors to teach others to read and write. This has enabled Sop and his wife Dara to actually reach out to their old community, even the very people who persecuted them. Isn't that amazing? Able to love their enemies, able to love other people. So Jesus is with you in the suffering. You are never alone. Do you know what? That's why we also need each other as the church, isn't it? It's great that you're here together and kind of take it in, soak it up and, and enjoy those opportunities that you can grab hold of. But it's why we need each other as the church, both locally and globally. We're family. We're, we're the body of Christ. The two most dominant word pictures in the New Testament for the church are family and body. We're meant to stand by one another. We're meant to pray, we're meant to support one another, have each other's back, to be in it together, as Mark said earlier. And at Open Doors, our vision is that no Christian should suffer alone. No persecuted Christian should be forgotten. So we thank you for for being part of that story and, and enabling more to be remembered, more to be not persecuted and alone, but actually being supported. We get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out. I'd love to encourage you at some point um, today just to spend some time with God, to, to, to name what is troubling you, name the challenge, the hardship that you might be going through. Just spend that time with God. So the second reason for hope is this, that so resurrection power is on display. Resurrection power is on display. You know, in the here and now, in the present, the resurrection power of Jesus is at work. That's a a pretty crazy thing, isn't it? A pretty incredible thought. And it's a truth that we need to think about and take hold of more and more, especially in times like lockdown. Why was Paul able to be so resilient? Well, it was Jesus. I mean, that's a classic Sunday school answer to any question, but it's the truth, right? Let's look at what the text highlights. Turn with me to um, verse 10 and 11. And those verses there, they kind of show that Paul had the tightest of attachments with Jesus in the present, in the here and now. It was that sense of being one with him, of sharing in Christ's sufferings. You know, he, it's a repeated theme, really, in a lot of his letters. He what, wrote 13 out of the New, New Testament books. So it's a repeated theme for him about sharing in Christ's suffering, being one with Jesus. Paul lived in the truth of the light, of, in, the light, in light of the truth and unstoppable power of Jesus, even if outwardly it didn't look like it, or even if outwardly it just didn't make any sense for him. For Paul, he saw his suffering as a way for others to see Jesus. And this is where that whole idea of like our perspective, the lens at which we look through our suffering is really, really important. For Paul, it's absolutely missional. It was a way in which the that his suffering and his response to his suffering was a way in which he could actually point people to Jesus. As a, 
an amazing thing, isn't it? And that's the same for us, that actually the way somehow that we respond to these times of hardship, to lockdown, to other storms and afflictions that will come our way in life, they just might be opportunities for people to see Jesus in you, to see the resurrection power of Jesus on display in your fragile jar of clay. That's an amazing truth, isn't it? And one I think we probably just need to take hold of a little bit more, really. Someone might be convinced of the truth of Jesus because they see how you respond in times of hardship, in times of suffering. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in the follower of Jesus. It's bonkers, but it's true. It's a living power, a living hope that can never be knocked out or extinguished. You know, the resurrection on Easter Sunday achieved this once and for all. And it's why we can honestly say that the resurrection power of Jesus is lit in us, as the passage says. It's why we cannot be crushed, abandoned, or destroyed, or in, in despair as a follower of Jesus. I love the idea for Paul that attachment with Jesus just loosened him from the things of this world, loosened him from people, from stuff, from things. You know, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's this, hold Hold everything lightly but Jesus. Hold everything lightly but Jesus. When Susan was 13, she became a Christian. Her dad was absolutely livid when she did this. He beat her several times and then things escalated. One day he dragged her to a room in their house and he told her to sit on the floor and there was a mat on the floor. And he said, Susan, you will sit on that mat. You won't get off that mat until you renounce Jesus. And with that, he shut the door, locked it, and she sat on that mat for three months. She's 13 years old. She only survived because her younger brother poured little drops of water under the door and little bits of fried banana. After a while, the weeks obviously turned into months, and the neighbours were like, where's Susan? And and one day they asked, asked her brother, where is she? And in the end, in the end, he told them, So they called the police, the police came, they barged through the door and there they found this girl sitting on a mat. She was in a really bad way, she'd lost so much weight and just her her bones in fact had contorted into the position that she'd been sitting in on that mat for three months. She was taken to hospital, it was there in the hospital that open doors connected with her and one of the team was just like, Susan, why didn't you get off that mat? Without missing a beat, she looked them straight in the eye and she said, my father told me if I got off that mat, I'd be renouncing Jesus. I could never do that. He is the the most precious gift of all. Amazing story. I love that. After weeks, months of isolation, torture, the worst that life could throw at her, Susan kept going. She was knocked down, but she wasn't knocked out. And the resurrection power of Jesus was at work in her life, very visibly lit and on display. Let's hold everything lightly, but Jesus is a big challenge for us. Look at verse 16 with me for a moment. It says, The resurrection power of Jesus is at work in us daily. Therefore, we do not lose heart. A great line of scripture there. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. There's a constant work there. If you notice, the present tense is being used. Jesus is at work in us, shaping us. The resurrection power of Jesus is at work, shaping us. You know, it's, it's maybe a bit of a hard truth to. To, to take sometimes, but actually God is more important. God, for God, our, our, our growth and character 
is more important than our comfort and our happiness. It doesn't quite fit with our 21st century kind of thinking. We crave comfort. We feel like we're entitled to happiness no matter what. And so as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we live in that tension that actually God is really concerned about our growth, our maturity, and our character. It's why Paul wrote those famous words in Romans 5, 4. Rejoice in suffering. You're like, Paul, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Then he goes on to say, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. Another great scripture to learn, I think. Hardship, suffering, pushes us to perseverance. And perseverance, endurance, pushes us for depth. There is potential through hardship, through hard times, through suffering, to become a stronger person, to become more like Jesus, let's be honest. That's kind of the goal of our lives as a follower of Jesus. The resurrection power of Jesus is on display in the present. Right now, as we go into lockdown, the resurrection power of Jesus is going to be at work. The third and final reason, and I saved the best to last, guys, okay? The third and final reason for hope is this, that the future outweighs the present. If you're a Christian here this morning, that is unbelievable good news. If if I had some scales with me this morning, you know, like the ones that um, Lady Justice holds. Say this side, we place all the stuff that we're going through presently. The hardships, the trials, COVID-19, whatever it is, is here. And this side is the future if you're a Christian today. And this is essentially what Paul does later in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Like he lists, he names his suffering. Um, you know, there he says, like, I've been imprisoned frequently, I've been flogged, I've been beaten with lashes and rods, I've been stoned, I've been shipwrecked, I've been in constant danger, I've been on the run, hounded out of cities, hated, despised, I've gone hungry, I've been naked, I've, I've gone without sleep. For Paul, at this stage in life, he bears the wounds and the scars of suffering on his body, mentally, physically, emotionally. This morning, what would you place on the scales? like depression, broken relationship, just loss of opportunities, disappointment. I don't know, there's loads of things that you could be putting on your list, your naming, what would go on the scales today. All that takes us out, all that floors us, all that knocks us down. But here we put the future and the hope of Jesus, not just in the present, but the future, because of all that is to come as a follower of Jesus. You know, life on earth, it's pretty horrible at times. Sometimes it can feel like you're dying and maybe some of you feel that. That's how Paul felt in this passage. He, he felt that time and time again. A friend of mine, Kerry, she died of cancer this year in April. She was just 25 years old. When she received the news that she only had months to live, she shared that through tears her dad had said this, but Kerry, this life is but a blip to eternity. This life is but a blip to eternity. What a dad. Days before she died, her dad read a devotional to her. And it referenced Psalm 23, verse 6, which says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the devotional went on to say, We will walk, eat, converse, embrace, sing, dance, all degrees of joy that we can't now imagine. Kerry smiled and said, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. A couple of days later, she entered eternity. She lived and died knowing that the future outweighs the present. 
a future with Jesus without pain or suffering or sickness in her body. You know, the future eternal glory was always in view for Paul. It was always in scope. It was always in his, in his eyes gaze. He's always looking forward. So verse 16 to 17 really brings that home for us. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. And bear in mind, by this stage, Paul was old. Um, suffering was taking its toll on his body. He carried those scars, those wounds. And yet he says, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You're like, Paul, are you out of your mind? Light and momentary troubles, all that you've listed, all that you've gone through, all that you've suffered for Jesus. He says, yeah, it's like fluff when compared to the future, when compared to eternity. With all that Sop went through, he refused to stop sharing the gospel. And he even began hosting worship gatherings in his, ha- in his house. Can you believe that? He says this, I'm always reminded that if people try to kill me for my faith, the Bible says, do not be afraid. They can kill my body, but not my soul. If they want to kill me, I have no problem with it, for I know where I'm going after. Sounds, echoes those words of Paul, really. Paul writes at the end of that passage. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but, what, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Life for the Christian is not so much about the here and now. Imagine the best day you've ever had. Think about it for a moment. The best day you've ever had, probably last year. And then multiply that a million times over, a billion times over, and you won't even come close to what eternity with Jesus is going to be like. Eternity with Jesus is the best day ever multiplied. Repeat, repeat. It's the happily ever after we've all been longing for. It's the happily ever after that we were made for as humans created in the image of God. It's what keeps SOP going. It's what keeps Christians in North Korean prison camps in the most dangerous place on earth going. It's what keeps Christians who are hungry, starving in India going because they're fixing their gaze on Jesus. Verse 18 has this sense of a measured gaze. It's almost like that image of looking through a telescope, looking ahead, because eternity isn't that far away. Eternity isn't that far away. So this morning, friends here at Waypoint, where's your gaze? Where's your gaze? Are you looking ahead to this amazing future that you have if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus? The scales are tipped towards the future. The future outweighs the present, so keep going. I'd just love to um, just pause realize time probably is going for us, but I'd just love to, let's just take a moment to pray together. There's an old song which goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lord God, I just thank you for this amazing scripture, this truth. And I pray, Lord, that um, we'll really dig into it over the next few weeks. We'll hold on to the but nots. We thank you, Lord, that we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Because we have you living and dwelling in us. And we have each other. And I just pray that actually as, as, as the local church here, that, yeah, people would realize that they are supported. They have one another to carry each other, to 
to be with each other, to really be hope to one another in the midst of challenging times. And Lord, too, we just want to thank you that um, you help challenge and change our perspective perhaps as well. And I just pray that you'd really just continue to speak to us about that. And um, today I just want to thank you for brothers and sisters around the world like SOP who choose you above everything and anyone else. And we pray for SOP. We pray for his family, that you would strengthen them. May they continue to know that they're not alone and they're not forgotten. And we pray that for our brothers and sisters all across the world, 260 million of them who need to know today that they're loved and known by you, God, but they're also loved and remembered by family around the world who share their faith. Um, And just, yeah, we just want to thank you for their courage. Amen. You know, for millions of Christians like SOP, we're family to them. They really get that. They really value that. And uh, you can really help them to be, to be remembered. You can help Open Doors achieve this vision that no Christian should be forgotten. No persecuted Christian should suffer alone. Our vision is to bring hope and resources to as many of the 260 million Christians around the world that are persecuted as possible. One thing that you can do really simply is subscribe and follow um, Open Doors. Subscribe for emails. You know, these stories of courageous faith, we've got them in abundance. And so, you know, if you need some encouragement, you think, oh, I need some, you know, yeah, I just need a, a pick a pickup. So so often those stories like SOPs are there for us to access. And also there's so much that we can do to help them to pray, to give, to speak up. So yeah, do check that out. And one thing that you can do, maybe let's make this personal today for this story that we've heard this morning about SOP, is you can actually send SOP a message. Isn't that cool? You can send a little message of hope. So um, I don't know if you've got a, a phone or later on go and take a screenshot of this image. Literally, why don't you send SOP a bit of scripture that you've heard today or a favourite bit of scripture for you that really helps you in challenging, difficult times. And you can just send this message to SOP and let him know that he isn't forgotten, that he is remembered by, by friends who, you know, a world away from his situation and story. But we're family, right? When one part suffers, we all suffer. Thanks.